Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Hello there, mamas. I am so happy you're here. And I know I say that every single episode, but I truly mean it, guys. I'm so happy that you're here. And today is a very, very, very special episode. Today marks the last episode of season one of the Time and Talks podcast. Oh my gosh, this was just such an amazing, amazing journey. Last August, I started this podcast really just with this drive and this fire of knowing that I needed to start a podcast. I had no idea where it was going to go, if it was going to impact people. And my goodness, the outpouring of your stories, your support, your connection with you has been so heart fulfilling. I think it's been therapeutic and very humbling for me too to share the things that I've been working through. Everything I share have been downloads. They've been wisdom that I live by that I've been learning and I'm learning to embody myself. So it's amazing to be on this journey with you. And season two will come out this fall. I'm going to be spending this summer really coming up with some amazing um, heartfelt inspired content we have some new mommy ayu podcasts i have a great lineup of guests i'm so excited to do those podcast interviews and really just continue to provide you spiritual emotional mental mindful information to help you through motherhood and life so thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for all your support for any of you who've left a review or reached out to me or shared Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we are ending this season with an incredible, incredible guest who I personally have the honor to know in real life. And you probably know her too. She is Dr. Mona Amin. She is the inspiring doctor behind the Peds Doc Talk Instagram and the new podcast, which has been blowing up, guys. So much incredible information that she provides. She's authentic. She's educational. And what I really love about her is she gives well-balanced advice on raising whole children. It's not just science she's all about evidence-based science but she's all about nurturing the whole child the mental emotional physical and that's what truly sets her apart and as someone who knows mona personally i can attest that she is just as much of a genuine person with a wealth of knowledge in real life as she is in her instagram and her podcast so she is somebody that I respect immensely and I recently heard Mona on a live talking about COVID and kids and I learned so much and I realized I had so much anxiety and stress now with things reopening, social distancing decreasing, but COVID still being out there with no vaccine in sight. I had so much anxiety about what I should be doing. How safe is it for our children? Should I be not sending them to daycare or is it okay for them to be with grandparents? And I needed someone who could reassure me on the path that could help me make well-informed decisions and Mona is my go-to person. So I know that many of you had questions. I posted this on my Instagram and I had an outpouring of questions. So many of your questions are answered today in this podcast regarding COVID and your children. 
And for those of you who don't know Dr. Mona, she is a board-certified general pediatrician. She's a mama to four-month-old Ryan. She's worked in private practice for five years, and her passions include early childhood development and focusing on the impact of healthy sleep, a healthy relationship with food, and healthy coping skills in the first five years of a child's life. She is an extraordinary resource from her Instagram account where she has lives and stories and her podcast, which has incredible wisdom about probably everything that you're thinking about. And she shares concerns that commonly us modern parents have, including current events. That's what I love most about her. Anything that's happening currently in the world, she really ties in and gives advice and well-balanced uh, wisdom regarding it. And she also shares very intimately her personal experience of when Ryan was born, their birth trauma, and when he was in the NICU. She had an incredible like emotional <laughs> I, I think I cried every single post that she did when she walked us through uh, her experience with her birth and Ryan's experience in the NICU I think I cried every single day listening to her story and that's up on her Instagram so with so much conflicting information out there about COVID I'm so excited that Mona was able to sit with me and to share some reliable answers that we can find some relief find some reassurance and feel safe as we make informed decisions for our family so without further ado let's welcome dr mona to the show where she's going to talk about covid and our kids hi mona i'm so excited that you're here today talking about something i am so confused about but thank you for being here Thank you so much for having me, Tejal. I'm so happy to join you on your podcast. You joined me on mine, and I'm just so excited to return the favor on this amazing topic that we have today. <laughs> yes. So Mona's going to be talking about COVID and kids. This has been, she's been my go-to guide throughout this whole COVID thing, just to give well-balanced, like anytime I felt myself getting overwhelmed by information... Mona, it's like you're in our heads and anything that like we're concerned with, just go on Instagram and you have a video already or you have a post on it. So you are like my guide through this time. And I know a lot of parents have been very much looking to you and your information because it's so informative, well-balanced and not fear-based. So I'm very interested. I had so many moms who had so many questions. So we're gonna go through as many as of, of them as possible to answer everybody's questions. Well, we know each other personally before all of this Instagram world. And I just wanted to let everyone know that I think the first time I met you was back in 2009, maybe? The year yeah. that we got married. I got married. And I, I've always been an energetic person and I always, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but the first time I even met you, I had such a nice, warm, like feeling. And when you said that you were going to school to be a pediatrician, I was like, oh, that makes total sense. You're such a nurturing and just an honest and really like kind, gentle energy to be around. And you're just like who you present to be on Instagram is exactly who you are in person, which has been such a great um, ability to see you thrive. Oh, that is amazing. And I actually feel obviously the same way because I, when I met you, I, you know, when you meet someone that comes into the family, so for people who are listening, obviously, um, Tejal is married to my, my first cousin, 
my first cousin is cousins with Tejal's husband. So yes. from the other side, like we're not, me and Tejal's husband are not related because it's um, the different side. But um, when I met you, I mean, you obviously have connections to California and we bonded over that. And so I always loved you. And then when you went on your meditation journey and mindfulness, I, it all made sense to me. Just how you said that it made sense that I was going to become a pediatrician. I was like, oh, this is totally something up her alley. I was not even shocked in the slightest that this is the, the, the path that you chose. So the, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> I, uh, I remember, do you remember um, you met my old, not Sky, but Millie? I remember oh, yeah. you with Millie. I remember you, how you were with her. And you were just, I was like, oh my gosh, she's like this good with like little birds. Like, you know, with people who aren't bird people or like, you know, birds are a little weird, but she felt so calm with you. And she's not like that with everyone. So I knew you had like a, that energy, but um so it's so, so awesome that you're here today to talk about COVID and kids. And I think the first place that I'd love to start is I think now with things reopening and hotspots popping up, it's very difficult. It's a very different when we were all kind of contained in our homes. We were all social distancing and quarantined. Now people are out and about and now schools are opening and daycares are thinking about opening. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety in parents of, okay, okay, so what do we do? Is it like, how do we keep our families safe? And I think the first question is, there was some misconception is like first that children are potentially asymptomatic carriers, or then there was children aren't getting COVID. And now it's like children are getting COVID. So can we start there? Like, what is the risk of children getting COVID right now? So you are you are saying exactly why I think everyone is so anxious right now is that with COVID it's it's literally changing day by day right and that doesn't help anyone with anxiety because we want control over situations and we want to be able to know well what is my risk and what can I do to prevent that risk and unfortunately with children and with COVID the virus in general, it is still considered a novel virus, right? Even though it's been around for six months now. Can you believe it? Six months. It is still a considered a novel virus in that we are still learning so much about how it acts, right? Now, you know, beginning of this, they're like, oh, well, maybe masks won't really help. Now we're like, okay, masks help, you know? Oh, well, maybe it will die out in warm weather. Okay, obviously it's not dying out in warm weather because Florida, it's 110 and humid and it's spreading like wildfire. Yeah. So it really is hard to kind of come up with like an okay, what does, is it going to look like in a month? So when I give advice, I look at where we're at at the current moment. So we are recording this, and I'm going to say, what, June? We're recording this on June 25th. I think yes. it's important that when people are listening to this that they know what date I'm rec we're recording because it could change in a day. It could change in two weeks. So what we know now is what we actually kind of knew at the beginning, and that's actually really, so I'm really reassured, in that when we talk about kids getting COVID, we always knew that the anyone can get this virus. This was never, never something that was, I think, misinterpreted. Anyone can get it. But what we were looking at is morbidity and mortality. So I want to explain those two terms. Morbidity means getting sick, like, you know, hospitalizations, having complications. Mortality is obviously getting, you know, passing away. So what we do know right now with pediatric population, and that includes anyone under 18, is that the mortality is extremely low. And I mean, right now, from the time of this recording, the CDC has not given the most recent data, but last data we had, there was about five pediatric deaths in the country. And that is actually, I know that's five lives that have been lost, but that is really reassuring considering that there's a hundred and 
20,000 deaths overall, right? So such a small percentage of children are passing away from this, which I know is hard to hear that, oh, any kid passed away, but it is reassuring in the grand scheme of things that kids, if they get this, are beating it, right? And then the other aspect we're looking at is morbidity, which is hospitalizations. So the most recent data that we have, and I have it on my IGTV, one of my IGTVs about the, the data that was released by the CDC back in end of April and beginning of May, which is an eternity ago. And what they found there was overall, compared to adults, only 2% of the COVID positive cases that were hospitalized were children. So 2%. And of those, three of, uh, from that data, only three of them passed away. So when you look at that data, it is still kids are considered low risk for the morbidity mortality. Now, we don't have data to say, well, what is their risk of getting the virus, right? But that is okay because we don't even know our risk as adults, right? Me and you could have had COVID and we don't know because the symptoms are so varied still, right? Person to person, which is nuts. That's what's so crazy about this virus. So with kids, it's the same thing that, yes, we don't know if a kid can get it, but what we are seeing is that the morbidity and mortality compared to adults is low And that is reassuring to me. And that is why I, of course, don't want my son to get sick. I don't want any of my patients to get sick. But I'm not as worried still, even when, as when this started, about children. That's really, that's really reassuring to hear. And I love the data that really, because that puts it into perspective, the numbers. Like you said, of course, five children, our heart goes out to the families. And but it's in a larger scheme of things that really does put it into perspective. So when we think of it in that scheme, I think the the next question comes about is, all right, so now with things reopening, elderly people are still of concern as far as like keeping our parents and our grandparents safe with now social distancing kind of easing. I mean, now there's hot spots in different areas, but it's starting to ease out as things reopen. A lot of moms had the question of, okay, so is it safe for our children to be with their grandparents? And if, especially with younger, like babies, for example, should grandparents be holding babies? Um, Should they be, you know, in close proximity? Or should it still be that if you're seeing grandparents, it should be in outdoor settings? So that's also kind of looking at developmental ages of the two, right? So babies, right? And I'm going to, and I have a baby like under, he's six Mm -hmm. months um, versus a three, four year old who may be going to school. So that's Mm -hmm. the difference. Okay. So babies, if you have a baby at home with you, I'm actually not worried about the baby. Um, I'm not worried about the, you know, the grandparents per se. I'm not worried. I'm going to be more worried about a four or five year old giving it to grandpa or grandma mm-hmm. than I am about a six-month-old giving it to grandpa or grandma um, because a four-year-old is going to be with their friends and at school and they could bring home a germ and spread it to someone more vulnerable. Obviously, if you have a baby six-month-old who is in daycare, then yes, there may be a risk there that that child could pick up something asymptomatically and then give it to grandma or grandpa or someone more vulnerable. Um, but I'm more worried about the grandparents in all these situations because knowing the risk for you know older people versus babies. Now, that being said, um, grandparents holding a baby. This is absolutely personal preference. So we don't know much about this virus to say, okay, well, again, there's not going to be any more complications, new complications that come out. But what we do know for six months is actually pretty reassuring in that children, even if they get it and do get the complications, and I think we might get into this, the, the inflammatory syndrome that we're seeing, they are still recovering from that 
right? So knowing that it's a family's choice what they want to do. I think, yes, outside activities tend to be what we're seeing to be less risk. Um, limiting the amount of touching, obviously, is less risk. Mm-hmm. Everyone masking is less risk. Obviously, anyone who's over two, you don't, don't mask a child, a baby, because it's just a suffocation hazard. But that would be the lowest risk activity. Now, if you choose to do an indoor activity, which I, I'll be honest, I know plenty of people who have. Um, I will probably go visit my parents, hopefully, if the cases start to trend down, um, and we'll, we'll be in the same home. But that is also a choice that the family has to make, right? So your choices are, are we just going to stay outside, but that's impossible if you live in the same home as a grandparent. Are we going to mask in the house? Or are we just going to practice hand hygiene and just, if we're sick, then mask, right? So it's really figuring out what works best for everyone involved. Um, and that's a choice that everyone's going to make. I don't blame, if a, if a family is getting together, and again, keep the group small. You don't need to have like 20 people together. So I think it's important that when you are deciding getting together with a grandparent, right, you have to come up with what you feel comfortable with, right? Is everyone going to meet outside? Are we going to mask? At the bare minimum, what should happen if you're going to be meeting up with anyone who is vulnerable is having that conversation. If anyone involved is sick, and I'm talking sniffle, cough, sore throat, runny nose, any degree of feeling under the weather, even if you think it's allergies, even if you think it's nothing, don't meet up with anyone, right? That is just being extra precautious because it's not worth it. Don't wear a mask. Just don't even go. Just say, you know what? I don't even need to meet up. We'll reschedule because you don't know if it's COVID or not, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be my first thing. And then you decide, like I said, what are the rules that everyone has for the meetup? Are we going to mask? which probably would make the most sense knowing what we know now if you are indoors. But I know many families, like I said, that are meeting up with grandparents who are otherwise healthy, who are not masking, but everyone is just washing their hands. Maybe you can consider not sharing a lot of items, you know, like don't drink out of the same cup. These are just things that you can do to reduce risk as much as possible because that's where we're at right now, right? We're at risk reduction. We're looking at the safest way to proceed with our lives in the lowest risk possible, and everyone is going to choose what makes them feel more comfortable, right? So I don't blame someone. I actually don't. Like, I have some families that come in, and they're like, you know, we know this is a real thing. We obviously are very concerned about COVID, but we're going to go meet up with our parents, da-da-da. And then I have other families who are like, I'm not leaving. No one's allowed in my home. And I look at those families the same way, because we have to do what makes us feel comfortable and what makes us sleep better at night. So I, I talk about this heavily, that if you are feeling bad or feeling weird about meeting up with a parent or you don't feel comfortable and you're, you're grappling over that decision and it's making you lose sleep, don't do it. It's just not mm-hmm. worth it to be convinced to do something that you're not comfortable with and to live with regret. God forbid something were to happen, which it's not your fault. You cannot see this virus. You cannot control it. You could take all the precautions and you can still get COVID because it is just a reality. So we have to do what makes us essentially sleep better at night from hearing what you're saying is also being very mindful because we are potentially spreading it to our parents. Um, So I think it's just as like you said, it's a case by case basis, but just being mindful of like, how are we like if you're having to go back to work and if you're staying at home still and working like just kind of those uh, those variables based on each parent's and each family's situation. So I love that. I'm going to add one thing because go ahead. the, the yeah. big thing with, with parents, and I, I, I also speak like our parents, right? The grandparents, mm-hmm. they are so much, cra- they're actually craving social interaction way more than we are because they're lonely, they're older, they want to see their grandkids. So I think it's also our responsibility as 
um, the kids or as the you know grown adults to make the the most the safest decision for our parents, right? Um, I use this example like me and my husband and Ryan are planning. We have not booked anything if the cases are not still skyrocketing to travel at the end of August to. California from Florida. And it depends on what the cases are doing. We have not booked anything. If we get there, we've already talked about it, that if we're in the house, we're probably going to mask only because we're flying in an airplane and we could bring germs and not even know it to my parents who are thankfully healthy, but they're older than 65. When we're outside, like in the backyard, we'll take off the mask, right? Because it's more open air. This is just something that me and my husband talked about that we're like, you know what? It would probably be the safest thing to do given what we know um, because being indoors, breathing the same air, you know, being close. We're not having them mask because they we're not worried about them giving it to us. I'm worried about me giving it to my parents because, again, looking at the data, I'm not worried that, of course, of course we can get it. Of course we can get sick. But I'm more worried about the older than 65 crowd because they are at more risk of complications, whether they are healthy or or not, you know? Yeah. You know, I had to heard you in a live talk about masks. What protects ourselves versus why we wear masks? Can you explain that so people are aware of that? So masking, and again, I know there's a lot of confusion with masking because at the beginning of all this, the pandemic, I know I was guilty of it too. I didn't think, we all were like, well, what are you going to use a mask for? In the, in the sense that what, I was, what people were thinking masks were for more was to protect themselves and not thinking about protecting others. And that's why I also said, what are you doing? Why are you getting a mask? To protect yourself. What you need to do to protect yourself is social distancing, hand hygiene, right? All that stuff. But yes, of course, there's probably some degree of protection uh, with the mask. But what it does more, it protects me from giving germs to you. So if everyone were to mask, there wouldn't be germ spread, if that makes sense. So that is why the masks are beneficial. And I think there was a miscommunication at the beginning of this in that I know everyone wanted the mask for themselves to protect themselves. And it was a, it was a rush on masks because everyone was afraid. And they're like, well, I need to protect myself. But it was never about that. It was actually about protecting everybody else. Now, there's two types of masks. Surgical, cloth, all of the miscellaneous masks that you see are in one category. And then there's N95 masks, which are masks that healthcare workers need. And they are fit tested, which means that we go through this test where we put it on our face and they blow this air into like it's like a machine that blows air, almost like simulating um, virus particles. And we basically have to move our head around up and down, side to side to see if anything is coming into our airways. And that is actually N95 fit testing. That is mm-hmm. to protect healthcare workers from virus after virus after virus. The lay population does not need an N95. And that is still the advice, right? What they should get is a surgical mask or a cloth covering or whatever it is so that they protect their germs, whether they are symptomatic, asymptomatic, and we can go over that. But you want to protect other people from the germs you are carrying that you don't know you have. Right. That that was that was really important because I thought that I was in that misconception that you're wearing masks to protect yourself. And so going along with that, when we talk about children wearing masks, right? Like right now it's like the recommendation of kids two and up wearing masks. And a lot of like, you know, Ayan does, he's five and when we when he hasn't gone out very much, but he's worn a mask. But I know a lot of parents are like, you know, my three year old, my five my four year old keeps touching their face and they're wearing this mask. So what is your 
stance about children wearing masks? I know you said two and under shouldn't because of a suffocation risk, but children that are above two as far as wearing masks, like if they're touching their face all the time, is it really beneficial for them to be wearing masks? So this is again, personal opinion and I agree. So under two, we don't do it because of suffocation and it's just not, they just don't know how to, you know, they can't tell you if it's uncomfortable, you know, they, they don't know, they don't have that awareness. Yes. After two, we do recommend. Now, I agree with you. It is not worth it if the child is fidgeting with it because then they're touching their face all over. Now, it's it's a good idea, though, not to give up and to model the behavior. So what I don't want parents to do is say, ah, oh, forget it. They just are not wearing it and not try to teach your two-year-old to wear it. I have many friends who have two-year-olds who have taught their kids to wear a mask, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of persistence. So what you can do for your child who's older too, and I have to put the disclaimer that it's also developmentally appropriate, meaning, of course, I have some of my patients who have autism or are on, um, on the spectrum or have any other developmental delay that is, are not going to be able to wear the mask, and I'm not going to make them. Um, it's not worth it. But things that you guys can do is model the behavior at home, practice at home with clean hands, right? Practice with a doll. Like if you have a toy doll, put a little fake mask on a toy doll and basically just model that behavior and just show them how to do it. Put your mask on at home. Again, do it before you leave the house. Do it for like a couple hours every day. Put a mask on yourself, put a mask on your two year plus child and play with it. Meaning look at them, say, talk to them through the mask and explain to them, you know, why we're wearing a mask to protect grandpa or grandma or protect your friend. And they understand that with repetition. But if you don't wear a mask, if you just give up and say, eh, I don't really want to wear the mask, um, it's fine. Then they're never going to model that behavior. If you want to go another route, you can do like a reward system, like if they wear their mask. But I really don't think you need to. I think with with persistence and modeling of good behavior, they will learn. And if you play with it too, meaning tell them that they're a doctor or a nurse or something, mm. they really, kids really respond well to role play and they will feel more empowered to say, oh, I'm helping someone by doing this because that's what we're doing, right? So we're teaching them how to be kind to other people through this process and how we are trying to protect their germs. And anytime a kid comes into my office and is wearing a mask, I always thank them for wearing the mask. I don't, whatever age they are. And I tell, and I, if they're older, I tell them, do you know why you're wearing the mask? And I, I really think this is really important right now for every pediatrician to do because it gives them that reassurance that, oh, mommy's right. Daddy's right. I should be wearing this mask. So I love doing it. The parents also love it because I'm like, sweetie, I'm very proud of you for keeping your mask on this whole visit. I know that's not easy, but you did such a good job. And they're like, okay. Like, they feel really <laughs> happy. So it's, it's something that they, they want to be good kids. You know, they want to do that for us. And if we just tell them and tell them why, they will learn so much from us. I agree. I you're I love that idea of like cuz they love role playing to like play doctor or nurse and like have the mask on. That is so good. And I I also will attest like Ayan explaining it to Ayan like you're you're protecting and keeping other people safe and I got, you know, getting them a special mask. I think that like it's all engaging, right? Like get them something that they're like they like the color or the print or whatever that they're engaged with. Just make it it's kind of like potty training, right? You just got to stay persistent and just make it as fun as possible. So I love those tips. This question that I have, is it safe to send our kids to daycare right now, like at this time with um, everything kind of spiking and only in the phase of reopening? So it kind of goes back to what we know with that data in that kids and children, obviously toddlers, older children, because they're low, because they are lower risk, 
I am comfortable sending a child to daycare and sending them back to school. Now, the question becomes, though, who is at home? Because if we have a family member who's immunocompromised, if we have grandma or grandpa who is 65 with hypertension, diabetes, um, morbidly obese, you know, these are all risk factors, then we got to say, well, ooh, that child could bring back a germ to the household. So if it's a child, otherwise healthy child, not immunocompromised, and what I mean by immunocompromised, cancer patients, uh, patients who are on um, steroids for renal problems, I mean, really severe medical conditions that we take care of. Those kids should stay out, I, is my opinion. And if there's any family members, I think there needs to be a conversation about for the best interest, possibly considering another option for that child. Um, because I'm not worried about the kid. I'm worried about them bringing it back home to someone who may be more at high risk. So I, I have a question. So this is kind of a personal question. So Rehan was supposed to go to daycare like with before all of this happened, he was supposed to go to daycare. He's 20 months right now, supposed to go in April. Obviously, that kind of shut down. But he's been home this whole time since the time of birth till 20 months. He's been home. It's only been kind of this quiet little bubble of like the four of us. And so my concern was about his immunity. What is your take on like children who we're supposed to go to school, but now are currently home and just have been in this little bubble. Um, is there any concern about their immune system not developing or anything like that? No. So what we do know is that the immune system largely is dependent on genetics and a host of other factors, meaning it's not just the fact that you have not been exposed to a bunch of other kids that defines our immune system. And you also look at your gut microbiome. Everyone has a different microbiome. You, um, you do, and both of your sons, even though obviously they're your sons, have completely different microbiomes. Um, I, I could talk all day about microbiomes. Um, and microbiomes are really important because a lot of our immune cells live in our gut. So that's why we talk about the gut microbiome. So a lot of this is completely, it's a completely common question that I get. It is, it would take a lot of isolation. I'm talking like decades, years of isolation for you to have an impact on your immune system. So you remember that you, we don't live in a perfect world. You are still bringing home germs to your children. They, something drops on the floor. It, you know, it, it hits the floor. There's still going to be, you know, germs that live on that, right? So it is, you are still exposing your child to germs in your household. I actually, by the way, I don't believe that in our homes, if everyone is healthy, meaning no one has COVID and every, no one has any illness, I don't, I don't believe in overcleaning surfaces in our home, meaning Lysols and all that. You don't need to. If someone gets sick, 100%, then it's good to do that. But just say Ryan drops his, the pacifier drops on the ground. We don't rinse it off right away. It's our home. It's in our home. It's our germs in the home. And I, it's, you're exposing him to the germs that you are living in, right? Shiloh licks his face all the time. We, that's our dog. So yeah. in the home, these are all things that you can do. I don't need you to like, don't let your child, like, don't, you don't have to put your kid on the ground and make, make them lick the floor. But like, oh, these are all <laughs> things that you are doing that yes. already that is going to uh, impact their immune system. Now, what you'll probably see when life goes back to normal and your child does go out into the outside world, they may get sick. And it's not the fact that their immune system is, is out of whack. It's the fact that now there's just people outside. And when people are outside, there's germs, right? So yes, you can, you can go out and you may get sick repetitively because your body is learning about those germs. And you may, start, you may notice that it's kind of like when a kid starts daycare 
and they get sick a lot, right? Your body is going to learn and adapt, but it's not going to be a permanent problem. Is that that's kind of what my advice is, right? Yes, you may see repetitive normal viruses, right? Not just not COVID, but like may just get a runny nose and cough or stomach virus. But it's I almost describe it like it's almost like starting daycare in that you're just going to get those germs. Your your immune system will will have the memory, it'll learn and in a lifelong three years from now, one year from now, there is not going to be a large impact here. I mean, I'm assuming this is for kids too. When we talk about immune system for grownups, like sleep and your diet and all those other factors play a role too, right? So I'm assuming that that plays a role for children as well. And that's the thing. So if kids, I mean, if you focus on, yeah, you focus on, obviously you can't control genetics, but the things we can focus on is the foods that we put into our kids. So plant, you know, plant-based foods, obviously anything that grows in the earth is good for us. Um, So vegetables, fruits, all the reasons why I'm, I'm so, it's so important to me that we raise good, good eaters, quote unquote, vegetables, fruits, water, limiting sugar intake, all the things that we need to do as adults too, right? And sleep. Oh, this is why I'm such a big fan of um, children getting sleep and sleep training or whatever you need to do to get your kid to learn how to sleep. Because getting a good night's rest, like you know, as adults too, has a huge effect on our, our immune system. So it is, it, I think we forget that a lot of what we do as adults also affects our immune system, right? You know that if you don't get good sleep, if you're stressed, if you're eating like crap, if you're not exercising, getting sunlight, right? Some vitamin D out there, you are going to see your immune system go go a little south a little bit. And same thing for kids, right? So my advice would be social distance outside, get some sun, when, as long as it's not scorch, a scorcher, get rest, drink a lot of water, and focus on the foods that you're giving your kid. Because that's going to help in the long run for not even just during COVID, but after this as well. Yeah. Going along that lines, because I know that you're such a big proponent of not only physical health, but mental health and mental well-being in children and grownups, you know, with kids who are going to be wearing masks, so they're going to be seeing grownups wearing masks. Is that, in your opinion, going to affect or hinder their social, emotional um, growth because they're not going to be able to look at facial response. They're only going to be looking at eyes. I'm really curious to see what you think about that. Well, a few things, and I think we talked about this before, you can, you, can, you can show a lot of emotion through your eyes. Mm-hmm. We know this. Me and you have talked about this, that yeah. you can actually, like, and I, I do this in my office, and I'm so grateful that I'm still working because I get to practice these things with the children. So I have the mask, but I, I, I always go near them, and I smile with them, and you can actually, my eyes are very happy eyes. Like, I have a very yes, welcoming, <laughs> welcoming eyes. So they, they feel reassured by seeing my eyes. You know, I'm not, like, coming in, like, with frowned eyebrows and angry or anything like that. So they can see so much from our eyes, the way we move them up, the way we smile and our eyes get, you know, like start to squint a little bit. These are things that we do, um, you know, and we should be a little more expressive like that. But what you'll see is that, of course, when you go out, you know, you'll see everyone masking. But in the privacy of your own home, you're not going to have the mask, right? You're going to be, take the mask will be off and they will get that social interaction from you. And if you want, you can like, obviously, if you're not doing play dates, you can actually do FaceTime with friends and they can see them unmasked, you know, faces of children unmasked. So they know that, okay, this is normal and that we are just putting the mask on to protect ourselves. But I am not concerned like the immune system of any long-term damage. And I speak about it this way that, especially with children, um, they actually 
The core family is their unit, right? Having a secure base, having security at home, obviously the ability to put food on the table, the ability to have a loving home where you know people are nurturing them is what the children need. Everything else is a bonus. So right. yes, sure, if your kid hasn't seen another kid for six months, they may not warm up to them right away, but that's not the end of the world. They'll be fine. They'll learn just like we, we learn to get back into routine. They will adapt much quicker than we give them credit for. Um, but yes, the first couple times they may be a little skeptical. They may be a little separation anxiety, but you, you keep doing, again, parenting 101, repetition, patience, persistence, and they're going to understand also when mommy and daddy or whoever is not getting worried about it, they're staying calm, that this is a safe thing and I, I can have fun with this new friend now, you know? Yeah. So I had to go to the doctor's office and I'm typically when I'm not masked, I, I'm typically a person like I anywhere I go, I'm like smiling at people, trying to make eye contact with people. And I learned this experience of like, oh, wow. So like people can't see my smile and that whole thing that you were talking about, like, you know, learning to be expressive with your eyes. But a very, very interesting thing that we can teach our children is that when you're when you're wearing masks, it's actually really amazing because you're not distracted by someone's face. And so you're being forced to look into their eyes, which are, right, they say the windows to the soul. So I think it's also a learning opportunity to help your children learn to connect with others by looking at their eyes when they speak. And it's like, really, you're not being distracted by their nose or their face or anything. It's just you're looking at their eyes. So I think it's another great learning experience of being able to connect with people on a deeper level. What do you think about <laughs> oh my gosh, you are reading my mind. Because there's, two things, there's two things about mask wearing that I'm loving about this pandemic. One is that, exactly right, that I am seeing that again in my office, the way the children are looking me in the eye more than they ever do. It's almost as if maybe they were a little shy and when they are when they have the mask, it's almost like a superhero and they yeah. feel confidence being behind a mask. And I, I don't want them to feel like they have to hide behind anything, but the fact that they have the mask, they warm up to me a little more and then they, they're a little more, you know, bubbly with me, which is super cool. It's like, it's, I call it the superhero mask. The other yeah. thing that it's teaching people to do, to do, and younger children, older children, is enunciate their words. Because if you find, if you're wearing a mask, people like mumble a lot, right? Me and you right now, I might, I might mumble. But when you're wearing a mask, you're forced to project your voice and show power in your voice and enunciate, which is a super awesome speaking skill, which I think children, especially adolescents, have lost, right? Um, So I love, I actually, I was going to do a post about this because I'm loving, and even with adults, I have to, I'm, I'm learning that I, and it it gives, it gives you a little bit more confidence too in the way you speak, right? Because you have to, you have to project your voice, enunciate, and you're not yelling. You're literally like, you know, showing power and command. And it's such an important quality, right? And when you're having a conversation with someone and, it, it's changed the way my visits go too, because I'm normally my visits, I'm like, oh, so, you know, how is it? And maybe they don't hear me. And now I'm forced to say, look them in the eye because normally I'm like distracted, but now I have, I, they can't see my face. So I look them in the eye and I'm enunciating and it really has a huge effect. And so if we want to look at silver linings, it really, it can have, it has, it actually can have a lot of benefits. And I agree with you completely about looking into the soul and um, encouraging children and teaching children how important eye contact is, um, you know, as they get older and even as a kid, I agree with you completely. Yeah, so that's really amazing about that perspective of the enunciating of the words. That's I'll have to be more mindful of that as I have the mask on and to see that. But thank you for pointing that out. So 
covered a lot of amazing stuff, Mona. This has been incredible. But I wanted to give you the per- the opportunity that if there's anything that you feel that parents need to know that we haven't talked about that you would like to share, I want to give you the floor to be able to share it. Yeah. So, no, we talked about all the major things. I think one few things I want to go over is the MISC, which I think you had questions about. Yes. Which yeah. is, it almost as if, like, we heard about it and then we haven't heard about it. Like, it was back in, like, I think a month and a half ago. And I'm going to explain. So, MISC, it still exists, guys. And it's multi-system inflammatory syndrome associated with COVID-19. And it's this new syndrome that they saw with COVID in children. And from the most recent data that we had, again, was about a month and a half ago, um, about 300 children had been diagnosed with this. Um, only three children had passed away, which again, I know it's three children, but I'm very grateful to see that people are having good outcomes. And it looks a lot like uh, what we call an inflammatory syndrome, which basically means inflammation of the blood vessels. Um, So what I want to go over with parents is if they do see their children have the following symptoms, I would recommend seeing your pediatrician. So what this syndrome is, it's fever, prolonged fever. So not one day of fever and the child's hydrated, eating, drinking, um, not two days of fever, four or more days of fever plus vomiting and diarrhea is one of the Mm -hmm. telltale signs. So if your child has fever persistence for more than four days and vomiting diarrhea, really run it by the pediatrician. Um, Other symptoms that we see with this syndrome are a full body rash, conjunctivitis, which is pink eye, um, sore throats, other viral symptoms like, you know, runny nose, but, and headaches and my, you know, myalgias, but it's really this fever persistence and vomiting and diarrhea. Now, Parents will come, you know, if a kid starts vomiting and diarrhea, I don't want you to panic because not all vomiting and diarrhea is COVID or the symptom or the syndrome. Um, but if it's fever plus the symptoms that I'm describing, run it by your pediatrician. What we're seeing with this syndrome is that it's an exposure to a past COVID infection, which means just say you get COVID and you recover and your child is with you in your home what we're seeing is that they're having a household contact or a close contact who had COVID. They, the child didn't show major symptoms at the time of the infection. And this is a response to antibodies that they create three to four weeks later, which is really fascinating and really actually very interesting in science. So when we talk about, I think this is important for people to you know, understand science and what we mean. You, you, there's two tests, right? There's an antigen test, which is those nasal swabs that you see people getting done. That checks for an active infection. And then there's antibody testing, which checks for a past infection. So what we're seeing with this MISC, these children are actually commonly coming back negative, normal, for the antigen, which means they don't have an active infection, but they're coming positive for the antibody, which means at some point in the last three to four weeks, they had an infection. And that is kind of scary. I know for people listening, I'm like, what do you mean? But we don't know, well, what will predispose someone to get that syndrome? But what we can say with reassurance is that those children, if they get the syndrome, if they do get hospitalized, which is still pretty rare, they are having great outcomes, which means they're walking out of that hospital without any issues. And when my, you know, my final thing when I, when I talk about COVID, it's really understanding that we cannot control everything. Even if you, you stay at home all year, which is impossible for your mental health, you cannot control this virus 100%. So you do the best you can. And my little motto, it's my, it's my mommy guilt motto, is I'm doing my best with the information and resources I have at the current moment. And this can apply to anything that we do and choices that we make as a parent, right? 
So I use the example of um, going to day, sending your kid to daycare, right? Just say they get COVID. Just say mm-hmm. you are making, you had to send your child to um, daycare because you knew that, okay, at this point there, it's not that serious for children. Right. And you also know that your resources don't allow you to keep your child at home or pay for a nanny. And that is okay. We only can do what we can with the information and resources we have. So I don't want families to feel guilty if they make a choice because they were kind of in a way forced to because that's their circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to live with that guilt because they could have stayed home and still picked it up. That is the hard thing for, I think, parents to understand that you can still get this even if we are home all day because it's not a perfect science. You go outside to, to a grocery store, you come back, someone in the elevator coughs. We don't know. And to live a life of fear is not good. Now, what I don't want is the flip, the complete opposite where people listening are like, okay, let's just go out and enjoy and go to pool parties and da, 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 because that's not where we're at. We should really be in the middle ground, which is, I know COVID's a serious thing. I want to protect the most vulnerable, but understanding my risk, which, you know, is everyone's going to have that different level of comfort. I'm going to make the choices that will reduce risk as much as possible, but still allow me to live my life. And it may not be the life that you expected to live in 2020. You may not be able to take those trips. You may not be able to travel. You may not be able to visit all the grandparents and um, friends that you wanted to. And it's, it's at this point where we have to be okay with that and saying for the next year, and I, I hate saying it, but it's true, until basically spring of 2021, put it in your mind that this may be our life and I'm owning it and it's not that bad because we are okay. Like we're, you're healthy, you're fine. We're all in this together. And how amazing that we're in this collective experience, right? So you're not alone when you're feeling with the, you know, dealing with these feelings of what do I do with my kid? What do I do? What do I do? Everyone is dealing with it and everyone is going to make a different choice that they feel comfortable with. And no choice is a negative choice, unless, of course, mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not taking this seriously. Um, right. But everyone just needs to do what they feel best and what they feel, like like I said earlier, is going to make them sleep better. But I don't want the guilt. I don't want the guilt. Like, I, I can't tell you enough. Like, me and my husband, we are taking precautions, but we still do certain activities, right? We still go to outside restaurants where they are um, separating the tables um, far. We don't sit inside, but we go outside. They have paper menus. They bring the condiments. Um, we're, you know, we mask. We take all the precautions. They take, they do the temperature checks. We've gone twice, you know, because we, we are taking the benefit of having a night out and being cautious than being at home all day. And, you know, that's what we want to do. But if I get COVID, if my husband gets COVID, we understand that we took a risk, but that we were taking precaution and we're going to live with that, you know, and, Everyone is going to have that level of you know, comfort that they feel, that they feel com- comfortable with, but it is something that everyone has to choose for themselves. And you can't really sit there and judge other people also because everyone has different circumstances, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, like you said, it's going to change day by day and it's going to, we have to be very mindful of the choices that we make, how we choose to move forward and who we choose to be around. But also I I agree completely that 
everybody's circumstance in this is different. And so if you have to, you're going back to work and you have to put your child in school, just make sure that the school is doing every, and I think schools are, um, you know, we used to be in the preschool business and we know that it's like very rigorous. They're going, they're not taking this lightly. So I think that also, you know, being a parent, if you, you're putting your child in daycare, you're putting them back in school, they're not just going to keep the ratios the same. They're going to make sure that, you know, pe- people are getting temperature checked. Just make sure that you're doing the due diligence that your schools are making the, the right choices. So, and that's it, right? Because everything like, for example, like I went to, I'm going to give you a little story. I actually go to spin class and mm. it's an indoor space. Risk is there, right? Being an indoor space, but they, I called them when they opened up and I said, what are you guys doing? And they said, you know, we're, lim- we're spacing out the bikes, um, meaning like at least 10 feet apart. So it's like, a third of the class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you have to check, get a temperature check. They're asking if you're sick to not come. Obviously, who knows if people are doing that. And I chose a seat that's far away from the instructor. So when she's yelling, she's not spitting into my <laughs> face. Does that make sense? And then, yes. and then the, the instructor made a comment. She made a comment that she didn't really, at the end of class, I think in jest, she said, oh, you can give each other a high five. Oh, wait, we're not allowed to do that, but I don't really care. Do whatever you want. And I actually, mm. I got really upset and I actually talked to them. And I said, look, I'm coming here. Everyone's coming here. We understand we're taking risks by walking into your studio. But to make comments that you're not taking this seriously and that you don't care is not good practice form, right? And I actually canceled my membership because, look, I... It's, it's, what if that, you know, if someone says something like that, or if a restaurant's not taking it seriously, or if the daycare says, oh, we don't really care, then you don't know what they're doing outside of that, right? You don't know if they are bringing it and you don't even know. So it's important for me that if you are going back into the world, like you said, talking to your daycare, they may, they're, you're, I'm, I agree completely. I've talked to daycares. I've seen the protocols. They are taking so much precaution because they don't want to get sick. It's like exactly. doctor's offices. They don't want to get sick. We don't want to get more kids sick. Trust us. That's not the business that any one of us are in. So I think it's important as long as you know that they are doing something. And that something may not be everything, but that is okay, right? I just don't want us to go to establishments and we should not be supporting establishments that are not taking this seriously because Mm -hmm. it is a pandemic and it is causing a lot of lives to be lost, but it is okay to say, so I joined another gym who is like really limiting. We do outside, we do outside workouts. Um, you have to, yeah, it's like, it's great. So it's better. So I, yeah, like it's a, it's a hit where, you know, like a hit workout. So it's like outside stuff. Um, and it's 110 degrees and humid. So we'll see how that goes. Um, (laughs) but, but you kind of have to ask and it's really important because businesses, there is a point here that businesses can still thrive yet we can still respect the pandemic. And I think, you know, I don't want to get too much into all that, but I think we're losing that, that, that balance here, that we can. If everyone, everyone just practices good hygiene, social distancing doesn't go to these events if they're sick, um, you know, temperature checks at every place, we can really help continue the economy, but also mm-hmm. keep everyone safe, right? Um, yes. And that's where me and my husband are at. Like, we, we know that we take risks by doing activities, but we understand that, you know what? We're doing everything we can to keep the businesses going, to keep some, some minor resemblance of a life, but we're not going to go to big parties. We're not going to go to lounges. We're not going to do all that. We can't anyways because we have a baby. But it's, it's something that I think every person needs to look at when they're deciding to visit an establishment or daycare or school. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, wearing the mask is, it's, it's a sign of compassion. If you, th- I like yeah. to look at it in that way. This is like our, if we're considering ourselves, 
you know, human beings that are connected and we're talking about oneness and unity and all these different things. If we're really in it together, just look at the mask as a form of compassion to our fellow human beings. So thank you so much, Mona. This was incredible. I learned so much from you, like I always do. And, um, and, you know, I, I just want to give you a little shout out. Your, you know, your podcast is incredible. I am so proud of you. I think I recently saw when you were taught your TV this 54,000 da- downloads and like how many months has it been? It hasn't three even months. been that long. I know. Three I'm months. so happy. Uh, and, and then I, I released a lot of episodes in the last week, but now it's at 80,000 in like, yeah. 80, yeah. Because I, but I did uh, release like seven episodes in the last two weeks because I had big series, but I am like, I'm, I'm so excited to join you in the podcast world. And it is just such a delight. Like we said at the beginning, like knowing someone like you in real life in this journey, obviously on social media and on the podcast and with your book, it is, you are, you know, whenever I talk to my husband about inspirations for me, you obviously are always one of those people, you know, I love as a mother and as, you know, obviously doing what you do as a mother, right? It's not easy finding the time to do what we do on social media and with, you know, inspiring other people. So I, I love you and I'm just so grateful for, for what you do also. And you know that from oh, the, but- from the episode we shared on my podcast. I know. I, I'm so like, I'm your cheerleader. Like when I see you, like you, because this is like, the proof is in your, your, your energy, your intention, your conviction. It's, you could feel it. And every time I listen to your podcast, every time I listen to your live, anytime I read your words, there's just such a powerful movement in there. And I'm just so proud of you, Mona. I love you so much. And I just am, it's amazing because you really are the, the pediatrician, a, a, um, a person to look up to in this modern realm of parenting, not just the the science, but also like the well-being aspect of the whole child. So thank you so much for all that you do for all of us. Thank it's you, It's just truly heartwarming. I love you. And um, if anyone has any questions or um, anything at all, you know Mona's available. I'm going to let you just quickly let everyone know where they can find you if they haven't been following you already. Yeah. <laughs> you're missing out if you're not yeah. following her. So, no, thank you, Tejal, so much. And yeah, I so I have my Instagram is Peds Doc Talk, so it's P E D S D O C T A L K. So Peds Doc Talk, and the podcast is the Peds Doc Talk podcast, and Peds Doc Talk is one word. Um, so those are my two things. And yes, I like to do a combination of posts. I really love the videos on IGTV because short little ten minute things. Because it's kind of like me talking to my patients in the office. The questions that I get asked, I'm like, look, easier to just rather than do it in a post for me to talk to you because it's almost like I'm your pediatrician giving you the advice, um, opinion or advice. I would say. Um, but yes, I I'm loving this. I feel like this year was made for me to create content between the pandemic and, um, you know, the civil justice movement and, you know, all this stuff going on. It definitely has inspired me so much more how how important our field and what we do is 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 for children and parenting. So I'm just so thrilled and I'm, I'm excited to continue this journey. And I am so excited to have your support. So thank you again. Oh, you are so welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. 
If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, frustrated, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.